All right, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Answer me warmly. If you are blessed this morning, can you give me an amen? Amen. The Lord is good. All right, let's open our Bibles to declare the glory of the Lord. This morning we'll take from the book of Psalms number 2. Psalm number 2. The nations in an opera and the peoples devising a vain thing. The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers take counsel against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us tear their fetters apart and cast away their cause from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. Then he will speak to them in his anger and terrify them in his fury, saying, But as for me, I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will surely give the nations as your inheritance, and the very ends of the earth as your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall shatter them like earthenware. Now therefore, O kings, show discernment. Take warning, O judges of the earth. Worship the Lord with reverence, and rejoice with trembling. Do homage to the Son, that he not become angry, and you perish in the way. For his wrath may soon be kindled. How blessed are all who take refuge in him. Amen. Amen. All right, the Lord is good. Father, we thank you for this beautiful morning. A morning of peace. A morning of joy. Thank you, Father. Because indeed, you are the reason for everything. We worship the Son. We bow before the Lamb of God. That takes away the sins of the whole world. We have come to believe in him. He has a spirit of wisdom, a spirit of knowledge, and a spirit of understanding for us this morning. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We receive the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And we declare as follows. I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I am walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing Him in all respects. I am bearing fruit in every good work, and I am increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to His Word. The Word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area, and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, Amen. Hallelujah. I said, Hallelujah. Let's take our seats. The Lord is good. Can I just beg you for something? Don't assume your device is off. Bring it out and look. If you have a watch that goes off at 8 o'clock, once it does pain, just get up and go and sit in the dark hall. Seriously, you know, you may be laughing, but the thing gets, is very disturbing to the anointing. Have we checked? Father God, anybody who stubbornly refuses to do what I have said, may that device die today in Jesus' name. Let me check my own. <laughs> it's true now. I use the word stop money. So I put in the degree here word. As you are talking like this, you know, just by the way, before I get to my message, hmm? you know, we learn from different things. You want to hear something? God hates stubborn people. Now, this is not about device or no device. Just know it. Now, there are some kinds of stubbornness. 
some, there's a kind of stubbornness in which you are, you're ahead, you don't li- attend to what you were told. But it's another one I found out. Some people are just inattentive. Once you sit like this, their mind has disappeared. So you tell an adult, all right, today I'm going to be teaching you about the journey from Enugu to Abuja. There are different, different ways you can go to Abuja from Enugu. You can go by road, and if you are going by road, you can use a private vehicle or public transportation. Or you may go by air. Now, two minutes, you've explained this. And I say, how many ways did I say you can go to Abuja? You say, hmm? Excuse me, I just spent the last five minutes telling you how to get from Enugu to Abuja. Can you go by it again? You are like, are you deaf? No, you can't be deaf. You are responding to these questions now. Now, please, if you are like that, do whatever you have to do to cure that malady. It's very terrible. If you enter Nigerian planes, please, I'll get to my message. I will try not to stay on this for too long. I don't know how we are. Whether it's the whole of Africa, I don't know. Or it's just Nigeria. I have never seen a more stubborn set of human beings in my life than those that fly. When the plane is landing, this instruction I hear it all the time. They say, disembarkation is going to be row by row. Please wait for the row in front of you to be empty before you stand up. As soon as that pilot press brake and put his parking brake, wah! They've not even opened the door. Everybody is standing up and retrieving their luggage and they're on the aisle. And you're asking yourself, this announcement, was it for human beings or for spirits? Because the, the, the crew will, keep, will repeat the thing again and again. Of course, I have a rule. You can ask my wife. I will be instructions. I feel like a witch if I don't. If they say no parking, I ask my wife. I won't park there. Red light shines red. I hit my brake. It's a personal thing. I feel funny. And like I say all the time, I hate having to say sorry when I saw the instruction. During that COVID period, on the plane, they will tell you, your mask must cover your mouth and your nose. Look all over the plane. Half of the people, the mask is on their chin. The one that now knocks me out. Now, I don't agree with the airlines because one of them used to say, use the other instruction. And then when we are, if you go abroad, they don't have that one. At least in Nigeria, when you're flying local flights, they will tell you all electronic devices must be off, even if it has the flight mode. The flight mode is not allowed on this flight. The guy beside you, he's watching TikTok. And the plane takes off. The guy doesn't bother. Puts on this thing and just puts his earphone, close his ears. See, I love to have my tab on. But I can't imagine I'm holding my tab after it's been said to me two or three times every electronic device that has a radio transmitter must go off, even if it has a flight mode. They say it with emphasis. One of the airlines doesn't. They say, Flight mode is allowed. And I, in fact, I talked talk, talk to one of the crew one day. Say, why do you guys say we can't use flight mode? When the other airline says we can't, it says FAA, what do you call it? Is it FAN regulation? I said, it can't be. This doesn't apply to the other airline. But my own is that they've announced it. Now, where I'm going is that, do you know? Maybe it's, I don't know. You know, I've not been to Kenya. I've not been to Rwanda. 
I've not been to Sudan. So let me not say Africans. But these ones I have in Nigeria, they're a special breed. I think God has been struggling to bless us. He's, you know, like, when you know that he can't get weary, we have done enough to wear him out. Simple instructions. It's as if something removes something from our thalamus, the base of our brain. That if it's an instruction, please don't obey it. When I was young, they used to tell a joke. It's not that I'm older, I understand the joke. They said they were on a plane one day. They said the plane was overloaded. And so the plane was, they had a problem. The engine couldn't carry the whole load. They said, now, it's a joke, of course. You see the kind of joke it is. They said, please, who will volunteer to jump out of the plane? But it turned out that most people there were Nigerians. They said. So after one or two people left the plane, while everybody else, they found that the plane was still overloaded. So they said, pilot, there's a problem. We have too many people. We don't know how to get them out of the plane. So the man said, no problem. I know what to do. They are Nigerians, eh? He said, yes. He said, I know how to handle them. He just gave the instruction. Henceforth, everybody remain on your seat. You are not getting up. You are not leaving this plane. And that's it. Instantly, they were on their feet. They were finding their way out of the plane. I heard this joke when I was, I mean, it was, I think it was on, we were on campus, yes, when I heard this joke. So quite a while ago. Now, it's painful that, you know, it is true. I've never seen human beings that can't follow instructions like our people. I know we are recording this, but I will say it. When they say whites are racist against us, I laugh. I say, I will be racist against us. I can't stand this behavior. I used to say one thing. People say, roads are bad in Nigeria. It doesn't bother me. Say, power is not constant. It doesn't give me any headache. You know what, I, that, what, what gives me the you know, goose pimples and makes me cringe? Is the incivility of the people. That's the one I can't stand. You put a bold sign, no parking. The keke man just parks there and walks away. The tanker man wants to dispense water. He parks at somebody's gate. And you're like, excuse me. When you come out, you say, oh, God, no worry, I no go to tea. I said, excuse me, this is somebody's drive-in. So you mean you can actually leave a vehicle here? When they wanted to come out of my compound, I threw my gate open. I saw a car, not even a tanker now. A responsible-looking car parked. After, like, what is this? Finally, one guy ran out of my neighbor's house. Sorry, sorry, sir, I wasn't planning to stay long. I said, so it could cross your mind to park at somebody's entrance. I don't care whether you were staying two seconds. How did the thought cross your mind in the first place? I mean, how could that thought have crossed your mind? You're driving on the road. Somebody stops to greet his friend. He hits the brake in the middle of the street. And he's giving instruction to somebody or greeting somebody on the other side. Now, I have this habit. I said, let me, I, I was always like that. But you know, you grow, you mature. So I don't want I get there. I get behind you. I hit my brake and wait for a few seconds. Let me just be impatient. You know what I found out? If I do like that, the guy stays there. Then I release my horn. Some will remain. You wonder whether they need ear surgery. Then finally, when you pass, some will now wave. Sorry. It's like, why did you have to need to apologize? This road is wide. All you need to do is just clear to the side. Brethren, if you know what God is going through, if you know what he's, go- what he's going through, 
Let me not even start on our greed, which people claim is poverty, which is not poverty. Like I'll prove to you it's not poverty. You find FAN staff in the airport. They are checking your luggage. They are begging for money. I've never seen that kind of shamelessness. One day I checked in my bag at the airport. Now, because when you travel with books, usually it's a problem for the scanner. All right? So a lot of times. So I've, I've gotten used to it. I try not to stack books in my bag. I scatter them a bit. So I'm used to it. A lot of times they tell you, look, wait to make sure your bag has you know, cleared. So when you check in luggage, where they scan it behind. So I, I was used to it. I knew I had books. I knew it would be a problem. Because it's very dense. So the scanner really can't penetrate it easily. So I was used to it. So I walked over to where they were scanning to be sure it had cleared. See one woman was sitting down there. Good morning, sir. I said, okay, good morning, madam. I just came to be sure my bag was clear. I said, okay, good morning. It's Friday. I'm aware. That's how I'm traveling. <laughs> Say anything for us. So I just said, sorry, ma'am. And which is not a lie. Somebody was traveling with me had my bag. I said, sorry, my bag is not here. I said, should I follow you? You know, you want to tell say, Madam, why are you so stupid? Should I call your husband and tell him how irresponsible you are? You are at least a middle level civil servant. I know how much you are paid. Please. You know why I keep on bringing up this when I'm preaching? Christians don't participate. You stop. You can't live in a compound where there are many cars. Your car is the last at, at the back. And you go and say you are listening to a message when you want to sleep. And you put headphones. And then you sleep late. Now nobody can go out. You should learn to be considerate of other people. You should learn, most importantly this morning, to follow instructions. If you go at the book of Proverbs, you know God has placed a curse on those who don't listen to instructions. Yeah, he has, he has, he has closed their destiny. Yeah, prophetic word. And I think it's a, it's a bad habit, you know. When I see the kind of traffic problems we have sometimes in this our nation, I just laugh. Go to where people are civil. Any good traffic is not busy enough for many of the traffic lights we have. And I don't know why they won't bother removing them. Because it's doing nothing. People don't obey them. Most places, all this traffic we have, they just put a stop sign. They just put a stop sign. They know everybody that, okay, of course, not everybody. There are crazy people in every society. We just have a disproportionately large number of them. That's all, okay? But where people are, you know, okay, you find out of every hundred, only one or two. And so the policing is very easy because the policeman needs to wait for only the one or two. But our own policing is hard. One out of 100, 99 are breaking the law. That quarter area one day, you know a quarter, can be busy sometimes in the late afternoons and early evenings. Early evening, around six. I was coming from that old UNTH. I wanted to come out that side. Mainly traffic was horrible. So when I got there, there was some police woman there trying to control traffic. So I stopped. I tried to point to her what the problem was. The madam, look at the way the problem is. She just gave me one answer which made me shut up. She said, I'm the only one here. What do you want me to do? It dawned on me that she was powerless. There were so many lawbreakers. There was nothing she could do. The people were breaking the law. So I just realized that this woman is really helpless. I wish I had the power. I wish I could pack and I wish you could lend me a uniform and just stay with her for a while. And she's just trying to get all of us to get home on time. But no, did I'm sorry, please, if I look like I'm putting down black people, I, 
You know, I'm one of them. I'm one of us. I think we are crazy. The lawlessness is terrible. You know, this lack of civility. That one gets to me. I won't lie to you. Why you can't put an instruction and expect an adult to obey? It's written boldly. No parking. And the guy parks there and says, I no go tea. So he justifies it. I won't be long. You know, when we get to some of those countries, we do understand why the policemen are merciless, apparently. You know why the policeman is merciless? He doesn't understand why you are so dumb that he needs to show you mercy. He's looking at you, excuse me. Didn't you see the sign? I did. So why did you park here? I wasn't planning to stay long. Did, <laughs> did he say no parking if you plan to stay long? So the man gives you the ticket. There's no begging. He's going away. He's not really a wicked person. If you check it, sometimes if you're overspeeding and you're not doing too badly, he realizes it may have, it may have been an error. In fact, one of my classmates lives in the U.S. was telling me that, that, ah, that most policemen he has met, they've been nice to him. They've ne- look, he stops. Just look. Why are you? If I say one day he was driving, the policeman you know, flashed him. He stopped. First, he asked that, is this a rental car? The guy said, yes. Oh, no wonder. Like, that behavior, it doesn't look like it's your car. So he understood the reason why he made that mistake. So he cautioned him, don't do that again. This is wrong. He said, thank you, officer. And he let him go. He said, the first question I asked is, is this a rental car? So realize you are not used to some of the things inside. Okay, I can understand. But please, next time, be careful around this area. Okay, officer. And he let him go. The Lord is good. What's my charge? Okay, last time, the charge was, don't allow the spirit of heaviness. Today is discipline. What did I say? Listen to instructions. Okay? Now, okay, how do I summarize this so I can get into my message? Yeah, this is summary. Please, the things that, you know, we are the light of the world. Amen? Amen. Yes, we are the light of the world. So, what we do is to lead other people in what is right to do. I hope you're getting my point. That is, we are the ones that will show examples. If you're on the plane in Nigeria, they say disembarkation is row by row. Please, wait till the row in front of you is empty. Amen. Amen. Now, let's get into our message for today. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Psalm number 126. I'll read. When the Lord brought back the captive ones of Zion... We're like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with joyful shouting. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. It says in verse 4, restore our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. I like um, New Living Translation of that verse 4. He said, as streams renew the desert. It now said in verse 5, this is, the, now, this is my interpretation. The Lord now said, those who sow in tears shall reap with joyful shouting. Now I'm the one that added the Lord now said. Verse 4, in my understanding, is a prayer. Verse 5 is the response of the Spirit. Those who sow in tears shall reap with joyful shouting. He who goes to and fro weeping, carrying his bag of seed, shall indeed come again with a shout of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. What's the principle here? And that's what I want to teach on today. 
He said, restore our captivity. Restore our fortunes, O Lord. The way streams renew the desert. And God gave a condition, if I may use that expression, or a prophetic word, that those who sow in tears will reap with joyful shouting. Now, what was he saying? That in the time of seed, things may appear rough. They are sowing out of their lack. Now, please, let me quickly interject so that I don't lose some people. I am not talking about seed as in give an offering so that God can multiply it. You know I don't believe in that. Okay? So don't start getting edgy. The Lord wants it to know if they cut this message at this point in time, they switch the channel. All right? And they want to raise money. I'm not trying to raise money. I'm not talking about give so you can receive. I do not believe in giving so you can receive. I believe in giving because you are a child of God and you believe in doing good works and you are blessed of the Lord. Amen? That is what I believe. So, just I needed to quickly dispense of that. Now, the sowing he's talking about here, literally, when he was saying it, is the farm. That these things are rough. Then I go and, you know, plow my field, harrow the field, and plant my grain. Plant my, you know, yam sets. Hoping for rain and hoping for fruit. Okay? For it to multiply. And that is, all the Lord is saying is that, I will pour water upon the seed you have sown. Somewhere else, I think it was in Isaiah saying that. He says, he that does this, when he says, goes to and fro, weeping, that is, as you are crisscrossing the field, planting your seed, this is food you will have loved to eat, because you don't have much of it. You will have loved to boil this grain and make something out of it for the family. That's why, that's why it's an issue of weeping. When things are difficult, circumstances are not perfect. In fact, Solomon said, if you are waiting for that to happen, you will get nothing done. That's New Living, I think, New Living, I think Living Bible translation of Ecclesiastes chapter 11. All right, verse 4. But God is saying, if you do that, you will come again with a shout of joy that this harvest will come and then there will be abundance. The seed that you sowed will not be wasted. He said, we will come again with a shout of joy, bringing your let me use the word harvest with you. Now, the principle inside here is that anytime you ask God to restore fortunes, God will ask you to sow in tears. I hope you're getting my point. Again, please let me clarify it. I'm not saying this one that we have turned into a doctrine in Christianity. If you want prosperity, you go and give out of your lack. Giving out of your lack is the will of God. Amen. The Macedonians did it, and they were commended. You cannot wait till you have everything before you share. Is that okay? It's acceptable according to what a man has. If you have little, out of that little, you can find a way to squeeze in something and give to somebody or to something. That is correct. However, it is not a way out of poverty. You hear what I said? It's not like do it so that God can bless you. That is not the doctrine. That doctrine is not accurate. I had a man teaching once, I couldn't believe it. That we carry some of these things to ridiculous levels because we don't have enough understanding. He said that one man came to them one day and he was begging. He said in the US. He was with his friend. He said, my friend is so bold. Though. The man asked him, what do you have there? 
So the man had, just imagine a homeless person. Maybe he had some coins. So the guy showed him the coins. So that guy took some of the coins. I told the guy he could go. That he needs to sue. Now I want you to understand something. Hmm? Is it possible that the, the, the Lord could do that as a prophetic word? The answer is yes. It's very, very possible. However, that was not, that was not what he was operating. I, I heard the message. He was trying to say that, look, as times like this, you need to give to come out of your poverty. I said, no, it's not true. If you read through the Bible, what God expected you to do to that man is to give him money. Not take the one he has. You may say, but Elijah, listen to me, Elijah was broker than that woman. We have to know how to apply things. You may say that Elijah took from the widow of Zarephath. When he got there, he was famished, he had nothing, he was hungry. And the woman had two meals. And he asked for one. He was hungry. Please go and read my book, Great Faith Can Be Yours. I explained it inside there. So it is not as if uh, you, you're not broke. You say he broke my sister, you sow a seed. So you took some of his money because of a doctrine. That doctrine is actually very inaccurate. Now, could it have been a prophetic operation? Of course, I have to admit that. It's possible. The Holy Spirit does strange things. Except that when that man spoke and you know, he was teaching about it, that was not what they were doing. He and his friend were just operating seed and harvest. I said, no. You took from a homeless man. That is wrong. You had more than him. That's very, very wrong. If it's a principle, that's an erroneous principle. That's an erroneous principle. I tell church sometimes, look, <laughs> if you want to raise money for things, be careful who you raise money from. What do I mean by that? Once one of our big ministers, now I won't mention this, and I don't mean any insult or anything, but it was a public issue. He said he wanted to buy a plane for the ministry. He wanted to buy a plane. Now, if the ministry have a plane, if you have the money, none of my business. And this is America anyway, so you have to understand that for them, it's not as much a big deal as it is in Nigeria, okay? It's not as much as it is in Nigeria. Because of the, for obvious reasons, okay? The value of the currency and the earning power of the people and then the number you have. is a common thing in America for big corporations to have, um, to have private planes, okay? And a, lot of person, a lot of individuals have. They have small ones, mediums. They have different sizes, okay? Now, so it's not such a big deal. But in this particular situation, the man was buying a very expensive one. The next in line, that was going for $65 million. The one that just beneath it in capacity and, you know, was $12 million. So people were like, excuse me, why didn't you just buy the $12 million one? Again, I don't like to judge the things of another person. I said, it doesn't concern me. But there was one principle I tried to explain to people from it. I said, what I found a bit out of order, a friend of mine actually said it. He said most of his congregation are poor people. So they are supposed to give out you know, $10 to gather $65 million. He felt he was not right. Okay. Now, if I had to assess it, I, I said, look, what I would have done if I were him, I needed a $65 million plane. If I were him, I'm going to get the money out of millionaires. Yeah, I don't want your $50. Sorry, 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 I don't want it. I don't want $10. Anybody giving to this, you are giving a minimum of $100,000 US dollars. If you are not giving $100,000, do not give. Then I know who I'm dealing with. Yeah, that's my principle. I'm not saying you have to agree with me. I can do that. You know, I'll just put a cutoff. If you are not giving $100,000, don't give anything. What's my reason? I won't go into that in details now. But part of it is that Elijah, like I said, was 
broke when he took from the widow of Zarephath. King David wouldn't take from the widow of Zarephath. Do you care what I'm trying to say? King David wouldn't. When he had to buy the land from Arauna, he said, no, I will not. He paid. Why? Arauna, I have more money than you. What are we talking about here? I have. So, sometimes when we take some of these doctrines and turn them into, in some of these principles, turn them into hard and fast doctrines, we come up with strange practices. So you want to buy a plane and you tell a poor pensioner to give so he can prosper. For you to buy a plane? No, I don't think it is right. Personally, I don't think it is right. Please, don't get me wrong. I have nothing against you buying a plane. But I tell Christians, be sensible. You cannot give your children school fees for me to buy a plane. You can't even give your children school fees for me to change my car. Yeah, you can't do that. You can't give your feeding money. Because pastor wants to replace his car. I think something is wrong with you and me. Seriously. So I tell people, when you want to do things like that, you want to buy $65 million planes. Go and meet guys who fly planes also. Hey, you. Tight on that your plane. I don't believe that as a leader, I should ask people to give their blood so I can drink water. I'm taking that from David. No, no. You shouldn't give your blood so I can drink water. You know what his men did? He said, no. You give me blood to drink water. No, I won't drink. That is only acceptable. That only the Lord can accept such a sacrifice. I had to get into that. So in tears, right? I'm just trying to explain some doctrines to people so that we'll get some things right. But what's the principle that, let's not sit on the main message. What's the principle the Lord was teaching us here? Now, I'll get back to it. Just bear this in mind. I'll get back to the reason why I went to know that in a moment. We're talking about walking in what? Divine abundance. Walking in divine abundance. Now, last time I explained something that, okay, let's read another portion of the scriptures. We read it last time, but it's just good we read it again. But we won't read everything because um, Ezekiel chapter 47. Remember, Jesus had told us something where John was commenting on something the Lord Jesus Christ said. That's in John chapter 7. He said, out of our bellies shall flow forth. That is, he said, this spirit, we are going to receive it. I hope you're getting my point. And I said that, and when he said that, Jesus came out and said, whoever is thirsty should come to him and drink. Okay? And what he was saying is that this is exactly the way Christians are going to be. Because they will also receive the Spirit. They will now become a fountain of living water also. And he was referring to this thing from the book of Ezekiel chapter 47. Now from verse 1. So then he brought me back to the door of the house, and behold... Water was flowing from under the threshold of the house towards the east, for the house faced east. The water was flowing down from under, and from the right side of the house, from south of the altar. It brought me out by way of the north gate, and led me around on the outside of the outer gate by way of the gate that faces east. And behold, water was trickling from the south side. When the man went out toward the east with a line, with a line in his hand, he measured a thousand cubits. And he led me through the water, water reaching the ankles. Then he measured a thousand, that is another thousand, and led me through the water. This time around, he reached the knees. Again, he measured a thousand and led me through the water. This time around, the water reached the loins. And he measured a thousand, and it was a river that I could not ford, for the water had risen enough to swim in, a river which could not be forded. 
He now said, if you go down to verse um, 8, then he said to me, these waters go out toward the eastern region and go down into the Arabah. Then they go toward the sea, being made to flow into the sea. And as a result, the waters of the sea become fresh. It will come about that every living creature that swarms in every place where the river goes will live. And there will be very many fish. For these waters go there, and others become fresh. So everything will live where the water goes. Now, I'm going to stop reading here. I think the point. Okay, let me just go down, further down. Verse 12. By the river on its bank, on one side and on the other, will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither and their fruit will not fail. They will bear every month because their water flows from the sanctuary. And their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. He said their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. Now, why did I read this? The fact that he says that out of our bellies we flow what? Rivers of living water. And that's what he was referring to. This is the chapter 47. And what is the effect of that flow? The effect of the flow is that we will cause dead things to live. If that flow, which is the spirit of God in us, is going on, it will produce food for people and it will produce healing for anyone who comes near to draw from it. Please follow what I'm going to say. Now, later on, maybe we'll read it. If you go and read Mark, uh, Luke chapter 19 and Matthew 25, there are two parables the Lord Jesus gave us there in those two places. One, you talk about the parable of the talents. The other, the Luke parable of the minas. Both of them talking about money, different uh, amounts of money. Now, I don't want to analyze the parables in details. They are slightly different. One, he gave five talents, two talents, and then one. The other, he gave you know, one mina to every single person. And then each person that he gave the mina to, one guy came. The other one, each person just doubled his money. This one, each person came and told them the amount of fruits that, that had come out of each mina that he gave. But where I'm going is that, especially that Luke chapter 19, that's the main one I want to really emphasize on. He said, do business with this or occupy with this till I come. I think we should just read that, please. It's important. Let's just go to that book, book of Luke chapter 19. Please, I want you to follow what I'm saying very closely. In fact, for me, it became a very good balance when I was meditating about this. God helped me to understand it very well. In verse 12, it says, A noble man went to a distant country to receive a kingdom and then return. And he caught ten of his slaves and gave them ten minas and said to them, Do business with this until I come back. Please, let's stop reading for a moment. He said, Do business with this until I come back. Now, I want to ask you a question. Okay, you know, you know the rest of the story. Okay, let me, I think we should, we, should, we should go down. Now, when he came, when he came back in verse um, 15, after receiving the kingdom, he ordered that these slaves to whom he had given the money be called to him so that he might know what business they had done. The first appeared saying, Master, your mina has made ten minas more. And he said, well done, good slave, because you have been faithful in a very little thing. You are to be in authority of what? Ten cities. You are to be in authority over ten cities. And then we'll read the rest later. But I wanted to just bring out this particular line. Now notice that we say this again and again. One day Jesus is going to appear. Amen? Say amen to that if you believe it. He's going to appear. He's going to appear. And everything is going to melt. True or false? 
This current is the way you know it will pass away. Nigeria, the way you know it, and the way it will become, will pass away. All the noise we make about um, Dubai, <laughs> it pass away. All the noise we make about developed countries, they will all pass away. If they are still there when he returns. Many of the ones that you will see now will not even be there. I don't have any shadow of doubt in my mind. There's one mistake we make. We just assume that this world just remain like this. Don't ever think like that. Okay? I will digress into something in a moment. But let me, before I get into that digression. The world has always gone to the advance. The one that God gets angry, he destroys it, and it goes down. All this development you are seeing, if God blows upon it, it will that. All flesh is what? Grass. doesn't matter. Los Angeles is grass. Paris is grass. Dubai is grass. There is nothing that you are seeing that is not grass. Everything is grass. I hope you're getting my point. If God blows upon it, you pass away. Now, this is my digression I wanted to tell you. Have you heard Christians prophesy and pro- uh, preach, preach that uh, Israel is being restored to his land and all of that? Have you heard that thing all the time? It's, like, hey, it's a signal that Jesus is about to come. You know, I just want to tell Christians something, you know. Many of the reasons why I disagree, or the reason, not many, one reason I disagree with many of the things that people say about Israel, the, the one fighting Gaza right now, okay, is that we don't magnify Christ in our interpretation. And it pains me. You know, when the war broke out, people were saying that pray for Israel to win. I said, is that what Israel needs? Israel needs Jesus Christ. You know, when this problem began, okay, as if it was a prophetic photograph. The place where the attack started, they showed the people of God, who call people of God, dancing before the image of Buddha. It's as if BBC took that, as if they knew. They were not trying to do that. They just took a picture. And you see young people reveling and all of that. Right above and behind them was a massive image of Buddha. I said, you people are angry with Hamas. Thank God it's not Moses, Joshua, and Phinehas that came. If you're angry with Hamas, if it's Moses, Joshua, Phinehas that showed up, they will cut off the area and kill everybody. And they will be your leaders. What used to pain me, and still pains me, all right, is when Christians don't even, he said, "Eh, God is fulfilling his promise. I said, the promise I know, the last promise I know he gave, the last one he gave, is that your house will be desolate until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I can't understand the church that never emphasizes that the knowledge of Christ is a key to their redemption. I can't understand. Please, never interpret any prophecy if it's not centered around Christ Jesus. Because that testimony is the spirit behind that prophecy. You know what I'm saying? So, Please, people of Israel, don't be angry with me. I'm right now the voice of one crying in the wilderness for you. If you don't repent, I don't care how many Ali has gathered you. It has happened before. You will scatter again. Why? The word of the Lord, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David is your house will be desolate until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It cannot be a national policy to insult that bastard carpenter. And you lay claim to a land that he gives. And the people of God will be saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, I said, what is wrong with you people? You know what everybody needs for information? Jews, 
and Arabs, Gentiles, everybody, is the knowledge of Christ Jesus. Instead of saying, pray that Israel will say, Lord, in the midst of this, may Jesus be revealed. If you don't pray like that, you're not a believer. And your prayer is absolutely ineffective. You cannot pray and circumvent Christ Jesus. And he will listen. Have you noticed? I'm not supporting any side. I'm magnifying Jesus. And you know it's in the Bible like that. Joshua came and said, are you for us or are you against us? <laughs> the captain of the Lord's army didn't understand that too. He said, I'm not for anybody. This was somebody that came, so to speak, to help them against Jericho. But he said clearly, I'm not for anybody. You know what he means? You need to decide which side you are on. If you're on the lost side, then good for you. So what am I preaching? I am on Christ's side. What did I say? And I'm saying, people of God, let's stop exalting Jacob. Let's start exalting Jesus. In the midst of every event, exalt Jesus. You need to do that. After all, the promise was, was to whom? Abraham and his seed. Don't ever forget it. Anybody that wants to lay claim to that promise has a choice of two. You are either a natural descendant or you are a spiritual descendant. And everybody there right now are all natural descendants of Abraham. I hope you are aware of that. You didn't catch that? Both Jews and non-Jews. Yeah, they are natural descendants of Abraham. Every single one of them. So if you want to go for the promise, then you have to know who owns the promise. Who owns the promise? The promise was to Abraham and his seed. The seed not of many, but seed as of one. And that seed is whom? Christ. Why did I add that one to it? Like I said, it's a digression. I couldn't help myself. (laughs) But I need you to help Christians balance in the midst of things going on right now. Don't ignore Christ in the midst of your of the things going on in your interpretation of the events of this earth. Please don't ever do that. But I want you to know that, that that's where digression came from. For, for, so that we don't think that um, the world will always be like this. No. God can destroy things and then they will be rebuilt. That's happened again and again. Don't get caught away. You know, you know, don't get into this uh, thing of thinking that we are the special uh, generation. No. If, if people annoy God and his kingdom has, is not yet ready, he will still punish them and rebuild again and the time will come when the kingdom we come. I hope you're getting my point. Now, why am I saying all of these things? Hey, God help me so I can focus. What I'm going to focus on is that, yes, this earth will pass away, most certainly. So what God is doing actually is not this earth. I hope you know that. He's preparing us for the kingdom. That's what I'm going to emphasize. But notice the parable we read. He said when the kingdom is ready to come, my people must be ready to occupy positions in that kingdom. Did you notice that? When he was assessing them, what was he assessing them for? What they are going to do. You, be in charge of ten cities. You, were going to, you are going to be in charge of five. Now, let's put it like this. Inside that five, you are going to be in charge of certain districts. Now, on what basis was he making those decisions? I'll tell you. On the, on the basis of what they did with a temporary kingdom. I don't know what I hear what I said. He gave them money, do business, until I come. So Jesus left us on the earth. Use my gifts and talents until I return. So when I return, what is going to happen to you 
will depend on what you did with what was temporary. He calls money what? The mammon of unrighteousness. Now, he wasn't saying wickedness. What he meant is that money is neutral. I hope you're getting my point. That's what he called it. That, but I'm going to assess you based on what you did with material things. I am going to assess you based on what you did now. I'm at another level to it. With your gifts, with my gifts and talents that I put inside you, that you used in the temporary earth. Why? Is a place in which you demonstrated your faithfulness. That is, you are using material things right now to show what your spirit is like. You are using what you are handling out outwardly hmm? to show how refined your spirit has become in the knowledge of God and of the, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, he said, occupy until I come. What does that mean? Yes, this earth will pass away, but take care of it until I come. Therefore, I say boldly this morning, I believe that God is redeeming land. Let me say something to Christians in my nation. Please, if you are listening to us from another country, don't be angry. If you listen to American preachers, they use America a lot. It's just what you see. I hope you're getting my point. Uh-huh. So that's why I use my country. I am convinced. Nigerians listen to these Nigerian Christians. God is watching all of us to see what we will do with the land he has given us. Yes, I had no doubt in my mind this morning that he's saying that you, I'm going to give you a section of the wall. Build, build it all. Because when I come, is how much of it you have built. I'll use to assess you for your place in my kingdom. Can I just quickly read something out to you? If you follow me on WhatsApp channel, I posted this a few days ago. It's very important. That's Derek Prince that said it. Talk about finding your place. Derek Prince said, until you have found your place, you will never be a totally fulfilled Christian. God has a place for each one of us. He has a place of employment or service. He has a place in the body of Christ for you. He also has a geographical place. It is not the same that is you just living anywhere. Whether you live in Hawaii or California or New York, God has a specific place for every one of us. In Proverbs, the Bible says, A person who is out of his place is like a bird that strays from its nest. It is a pitiful sight. That is how it is to be out of your place. The reference says, I have counseled many people and I've told them that, listen to this, one of your problems is that you are not in the right geographical place. You will never really flourish until you find that place. I always like to put this in for Christians. Because, you know, you have to be careful. Please, don't be angry with me when I talk like this. But I don't like when Christians just follow the trend. There was a time everybody went to Egypt. God spoke to Isaac. Don't. Stay in the land and do what? That year he sowed his seed. You have to be careful, alright? When you are following the trend. Why? I read this direct prince to let you know that God is coming to his kingdom and he's going to ask you, what did you do what he gave you? And I'm adding to it, where he gave it to you. It's not everywhere. You know, I don't know how I learned this thing long ago, but I learned it. A number of people I remember that God used to print them in my mind. One of them was Miles Monroe. I mentioned him because we all know that name. He talked about purpose. Once I listened to Bishop Oedipo, he made it clear to me, I wanted to leave Lagos and go somewhere else. He said, no, 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 you can't leave Lagos. He didn't know me, I just need a message. Stay there until I, until I come. Can I use that expression? Until I come. And when he came, he told me, go to Enugu. 
You're not going to where you were thinking. Stay in Lagos. I didn't like Lagos one bit. Say, stay there until I come. I learned it long ago. When I was leaving Lagos and coming to Enugu, everybody said, ah, why are you going to Enugu? The money is in Lagos. Now, that statement is enough to drive me out of Lagos. Why? If where the money is what is driving me, I'm saving mammon. Now, please, that is not, is not how I feel. It is a fact of the spirit. If where the money is, is, why, is how you are making your decision, then you are saving mammon. You are saving mammon. It's not, I, I know you worship every morning, no? I know Natanabasi is your bosom friend. I know Dusio Heko is your relative in the, in the spirit. And you worship together every morning. You are still serving mama. You may have a ministry, it doesn't matter. You are still serving. If you locate your ministry where the money is, you can go to that ministry and this morning let's declare the glory of the Lord. There is none like you, O Lord. You are great, and great is your name in power. Who will not fear you, O King of the nations? Indeed, it is your due. For amongst all the wise leaders of the nations and in all their kingdoms, there is no one like you. You are still serving mama. As long as that place where you are raising that glory from was situated because of money, you are saving mama. I hope you're getting my point. You are still saving mama. So they said to me, that's where the money is. I'm like, well, let me not go over that story again. But that for me, is that, is that where, is it, is where money is the issue or where purpose is? When Pyelton left, was there money in uh, Elisha? Or Shubu? Where, where was it? Was it Elisha? Where was it? Elisha. When he came from the UK, we are going to now. When he came from there, I hope you're getting my point. It's true. You've read your Bible. Where did you ever see Paul move? And he said, because this is where the money is. Why is it that we now, we claim to be believers, but we behave like we don't believe anything? It's as if the only thing we believe is that Jesus Christ died for our sins. After that, we live everything the way we like. If a man loves me, what does he do? He will keep my word. Obeying his word is critical to him. It's not that you agree. See, Jesus is not savior unless he's Lord. Jesus only saves those he's Lord over. If he's not Lord over you, he ain't your savior. You can't take half of him. The saving half. And forget the loading half. The saving half is ineffective if the loading half is not there. I hope you're getting my point. What is the loading half? It means that he decides how you live your life. You don't just come to him for deliverance alone. Everything you do is according to what he said. Or what he says. Please, I hope what I'm saying is clear. So people said to me, I said, no, I learned it. I don't know. Like I said, I can remember a few points where certain messages were driven into me. I remember like three now. Okay? Which let me know that, oh boy, it is not everywhere you like you go. You have a place of appointment. You have a place you are ordained to be. You may not know it, but at least pray about it. I don't know whether you're getting my point. You know, once you start praying, see, just acknowledging that fact is half of the journey. In fact, I think it's a little bit more than half. It's at least 51%. Just knowing, because what Christians think is that he saves, then I live my life the way I think best. No. Just by you knowing that the Lord that gave me life, who I'm serving, he said that he died for all, Paul told us, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that those who live will no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. So you know you are not living for yourself. Paul said, for me to live 
is Christ. What does that mean? That is, I'm not living for myself. Everything I'm doing is according to the word and purpose of Christ. Just for you to know it. That is, see, you can't come to me and say, Pastor, please, I applied for a job. Pray that I will get it. None of you, you've never heard me pray that kind of prayer. Say, Father God, this job that your daughter, your son has applied for, we claim it in the name of Jesus. I command this job to come. This is your... I don't say that. How do I pray? I leave the word of God over your head. You will have favor in the name of Jesus. You will be established where God wants you to be. That's, a, that's what I do. Because I know there's no guarantee that that's where God wants you to be. I cannot use my prayer and faith to command you to go into where God didn't send you. Just having the right attitude that says that, see, there, as a young man, young woman, you need a job. It is good. There's nothing wrong with that. You should apply. Now, all my life, the times I needed to apply for work, God has been good to me. I, I hardly ever wrote two applications. I don't know how come, but I really seem to know where I'm supposed to be going. I throw in one application and it seems to work. Okay? Yes. The time I was applying up and down in Lagos to get work was the one that I never got any. Yeah, I didn't. I finished NYC. I'm supposed to go. I applied in Luz for residency. We're waiting for interview. Eventually, I got the job. But we had to wait for a long time before we could start for certain crises that they had. That's the reason. In between, I said, okay, get something to do. Everywhere I went, you know what happened? I didn't get the job. The one I finally got one day, they fired me. Okay. They didn't fire me. Sorry. I'm just making it dramatic. I wasn't fired. We agreed to separate after three weeks. The man didn't like some things I did, and I told him I wasn't going to change my mind because what he's doing is unethical. It's immoral, it's unethical, it's against my faith, and it's against the law of the nation. When we had an argument about it, I just I made it clear to him. What I said, but hey, I said, Oh God, let's get something, eh? Like I don't remember whether I told him this or I thought it. I said, You asked in your adverts, which I saw in the papers. That the person has to be fully registered with the Medical and Dental Council of Nigeria? The answer is yes. Okay, good. So it means we are following Nigerian law. What you are doing is against, Niger- is against Nigerian law. We had our up and down about it. Finally, he said, well, if that's my stance, I can't work with him. I said, sir, I'm sorry, then we have to part ways. So he wrote me a check for the three weeks I had worked because I refused to bend. I said, look, you are breaking the law of the land. You are breaking the law of God. I want to define my conscience. I'm not going to agree. Now, where I'm going is that I moved up and down. Nobody agreed to employ One guy agreed to employ me. On, he said I should start work on Friday. On Thursday, I went to visit them. They said they had changed their mind. And I still remember that day I drove away from that clinic. I still remember the name of the clinic where it is in Lagos. And I said to the Lord, I looked at because I went with the car, brought my cousin's car, went there. So I looked at the window that day, and I told the Lord, I said, you took this job from me. And till today, I don't doubt it. Because you know why he did? He didn't want me to work. He didn't. It was clear he didn't want it. But I needed to go through that process to show people that I wasn't being lazy. After that, I took on my driving job full time. I was, I was a driver, yes. Okay? I was driving my auntie, so <laughs> he thought I went to apply, it, so I applied somewhere. <laughs> I was driving, but it was a very beautiful job, all right? It, it worked very well for me. Because God says it's training. I wanted to go to your Bible school. So my Bible school was on my tapes and all of that. So I spent hours every day. A typical day, I could do three, four hours of messages, not to count books I was reading. I mean, a bad day, I do two hours. A bad day, okay? 
At least that's how most days went. So that was the training that the, God, the Lord gave me. Where I'm going is that, so you can be applying for work. I'm not saying you can't. But just know one thing for sure. The one you will get is not random. It's not the more you apply, the more your chances. No, it's not so. In fact, when after a while, I got restless. I told you that years later, I now wonder whether, was, whether what I did was right. But if, even if it was wrong, the Lord had mercy. Because I just got restless. I said, Abba, this guy, what is up with you? I was a post-NYC medical doctor. All I was doing was driving my auntie around. So one day, I just said, no, God, please. I need to have, let me add the word, clinical work. All right, I said, Lord, I need a job. That's what I just told him. I said that to him, I think in the morning. But within 24 hours, within 24 hours, I didn't apply for that particular job. One of our brothers, his name is Augustine. He just came to my house. So I was upset. He just said, somebody looking for you. So I came out. Ah, He said, no, I'm in a hurry. Write this address down. So he just called it for me. He said, go there. They're looking for a doctor. They will employ you. I prayed. It, wasn't, it wasn't up to 24 hours. That same day, I went there. We discussed it. They even asked me, where's your certificate? Which good do you go to? They said, when are you ready to start? Can you start immediately? I said, all right. So I think the following day or two days later, I resumed work. Less than 24 hours after I prayed the prayer. I wasn't, it wasn't a game of chance. What I'm saying, I just have that thought in your mind. Please, please, let me talk about grace again. Grace flows, you prime it by your reasoning process. Did you hear what I said? Yes, let me give an example. You're a single man, you want to marry. And you know marriage is good, amen? One of the men I admired has, ever, that is, has lived in this life, one of the ones I admired the most, that's John Gillick. That is, in modern times, when I say modern times now, remove the apostles and polycap, all those people. All right? In modern times, I don't think there's any singular human being that admire his life more than John Graham Lake. So I tell my wife, I said, with all his spirituality, the man had 13 children. <laughs> if I'm mistaken, if I'm mistaken, then it's 12. But it's not less than 12. That's 12 or 13 children. I said, ah, pastor, with all this, the man could fast and pray. How did you manage? <laughs> You're wondering how, how one woman gave birth. No, he had two. His first wife, that was the one that died in South Africa. So when he returned to the U.S. later, he married again. But that, that first one had eight children. He married again, and the new wife he married had four or five children. So marriage is good. That's what I'm going to say. The most spiritual man I know married. Of course, you also know how much I quote Derek Prince. You know, these are men I quote a lot. Kenneth Higgin. All of them married. Okay? The only man I know that I quote that doesn't marry, that didn't marry is Sadhu Savari Raj. Okay? So they, they married. So it's good. I'm not saying so I'm saying marriage is good. Amen? Yeah, it's very, very good. But your marriage is not haphazard. The woman you will marry and the man you will marry is appointed from heaven. I hope you're getting my point. It's not a game of chance. Remember I said that grace is primed through what? A thought process. That's what faith is. How you reason. You prime it. You know, by just thinking that thought, the power of God flows towards you differently. Just thinking it too. That is, you're in church. Let me see your finger. The left hand. Not in the day. It's empty. You're not married, right? Can you stand up? Please, this guy is not married. In case you want to marry him, see him at the end of service. <laughs> Sit down. 
You are laughing. Do you know what that is a prophetic word I just declared like this? <laughs> I went to preach somewhere one day. You know, anointing is powerful. Please, can I just gist? I feel like just just in this morning small. I would still, I would still preach. Anointing is very powerful. Just by the way. Never marry a man that just finished preaching. To you. You are confused. You can't see, you can't reason straight. If a man's been in your church ministering for like a week, he now comes to propose marriage to you, tell him no. He wants to confuse you. Because anointing is so powerful, you can't think. What I've told you is advice so. Let him go away first. Leave, and if he's a pastor of your church, leave the church. Leave the church for a short while. Go and join another church, a conservative church. If the pastor wears suit, go to a church where the pastor wears a bad. Just let things just be different so that your head can calm down. Anyway, so I went to preach somewhere. When I finished preaching, I think maybe that woman had never heard a word like that before. She just told herself, I hope this man is single. God, he must be single. Because I am going to marry him. So I'm just going to go and tell him that I want to marry him. So when they were not thanking me for coming and all of that, they now say, he's around with his wife. She said, oh. <laughs> How do I know? After the service, she went and met my wife. Oh, you are the pastor's wife. Greeted her very well. He said, I was so blessed by husband. I told myself, I was hoping he was single, he was single because I was planning to marry him. <laughs> yes, he t- she told me, a very nice lady. <laughs> he actually told my wife that. So they had a very good laugh. So why am I saying so? Why was it, why, why was she wanting to marry me? Do you know why? She was confused. The anointing of God upon me was what attracted her. Many of you have followed wicked pastors. You don't know. <laughs> no, it was the anointing of God. No, honestly, I know what I'm talking about. It may sound like a joke, but it's true. When the anointing, it's a kind of response the anointing will drag out of a woman. Men react slightly differently. Okay? Yeah. That's why I said what I said. You are, you are being blessed by the anointing, but you are interpreting as attraction to the man. Yeah, it happens. I hope damn they didn't do you like that. Though. <laughs> the way I do it. I said, that, that, was that what you did? <laughs> the way you're looking like, what? Damn me, I have found out. <laughs> I have found out. <laughs> Let me confess, yeah. I use this more. The first day I met my wife, I just finished ministry. The girl said, ah, if I don't marry him, I will die. She didn't say so. I'm just going to... But the first day we met, I met her, I just finished preaching. So she now came to ask me questions. Ah! Actually, she was not the one that preached at me. So I was not deceived. My eye was clear. And I was the one that started the whole process. But now she greeted me first. And you know why she greeted me? Anoint. Oh, thank you, sir. <laughs> Anointing. <laughs> the Lord is good. Anyway, this is the point we're making. Let's settle on the main point. Just have that thought process that this woman, I won't let marry her. I like her. I'm interested in her. But I won't let marry her if she's ordained for me to marry by God. Just have that thought process. That the man that God has not created for me to marry, I will not. I don't care how I'm attracted to him or how he's attracted to me. is besides the point. All these other things, attraction, like him, the way he talks, the way he approaches me, all those things, that, they are just physical pleas. That will work or not work depending on what grace is activated. Just for you to have the right thought is what I'm talking about. 
The right thinking process activates grace in your direction. If it's job, also the same thing. You can write 10,000 applications that don't really care. Maybe you're an application writer. You are skilled in writing, so you have to write. But just know, tell the Lord, see, don't claim anything. I claim it. Ah, kabush, kayada. I claim this. Don't claim anything. What do you know? I give an illustration now. The job I got, that I didn't even know. The guy just came to me. I didn't go there to apply. He just told me, go to Susan's so place. In fact, that loot I was telling you about, I stumbled into it. When I went to loot, it was not because I wanted to go to Lagos. I, I served with the Nigeria Army. And they were owing me my call duty allowance for the whole service year. But their headquarters then was in Lagos. So I went to Lagos. I remember went to Bonnecamp, went to Dodan Barracks, went to all those places. They told me, okay, go to this place, pursue my money. That was how I landed in Lagos. That's how somebody just planted the idea in my mind. Why do you want to go up north? I want to go back to the north. He said, no, no, just stay in Lagos. So I now got a letter from one of our sisters who was in, 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 um, in the north there, where I, I actually wanted to go. That she talked to them. They said, right now, they are not taking residence. Oh. So I kind of didn't have a choice, really. So, and then, of course, so my man said, look, let's go to Luth. I applied in Luth, and they gave me the job. Now, why am I saying this? Just have that thought in your mind. I can write applications, though, but only what the Lord has ordained is the one I will get. Please, get my point. Just a thought. If you have a wrong thought that a man has to make his own plans, though, then give it to God to bless. That is when you will miss God. It is not lack of faith to pray. And say, Lord, if, you know, people say that you don't say if. If you say if, it's a badge of unbelief. How can it be a badge of unbelief when you really don't know what is going on on the other side? No, many times if is nothing but a sign of being yielded to the will of God, which you are, you are not aware of. I I'm, got married to my wife about 18 months after we met. Yes, we were in December. We met the previous year around 1st of May. So about, that would be about 19 months, right? Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, early December, so about 18, 19 months, all right? This is what I, there's one thing I told her then. I said, the day we get married, I'm going to tell you something. She was waiting for what romantic word this man had planned. So as soon as they said, I pronounce you husband and wife, you may kiss the bride, blah, blah, blah. I just whispered to her. I said, I love you. You are God's gift to me. That's what I said. So that's what I've been waiting for. Yeah. Like, is that all? That is all, but it's loaded. I was quoting Ed Louis Cole. Oh, no. See, I'm not somebody. No, some of you were just anointed. You knew everything. Me, I was a student of the word. I'm still a student of the word. Many people taught me about marriage. Walter Trubbish, I learned from him. Okio Nuzo wrote a book. I don't know how many people remember Okio Nuzo. All right? The nephrologist. He's also a preacher. He wrote a book, You May Kiss the Bride. I read the book. Okay? Ed Cole. Ed Cole's books, I read most of them. And Ed Cole, when he's talking to women, uh, couples, that's one of the things he used to tell them to say. All right? I love you. You are God's gift to me. It will make you stand. Face your wife. Face your husband. Tell your husband this. Tell your wife this. So I was quoting Ed Cole. He was the one, that God, one of the people that God used to build my faith concerning marriage. And what was I quoting Ed Cole? Because I said to God before then, some of you know the will of God. In another way, my own. 
I'm not very good with visions and dreams and God told me, God, and please, all this God told me, told me, nine out of ten of them, God didn't tell them nothing. She discussing that with my wife, it was yesterday night or this morning. That why, I, said, I told her, I said, you know, I've never liked spiritual people. Now, when I say spiritual, the way we describe spiritual, if I come and meet you like this, I say, oh, praise God. How are you? I instant dislike. I just don't like you. You know what? You're not impressing me. I think you're funny. There was one guy who went for his wedding one day. I think it's okay with his um, bosom friend. They were praying for him and his wife. I was standing with the officiating people looking at him like this. My man, are you alright? On your wedding day, are you crazy? He was almost falling under the power on his wedding day. So I was looking at him like that. I was just looking at him like this. This boy is not serious. I was looking at him. You are the groom. Okay, if you do, what would now, what would the train now do? Please, if it's your wedding, brethren, please beg the pastor. The anointing that will make me fall down is after. Here. Let me recite things I'm supposed to recite. I hope you're getting my point. And then join us together in the name of the Lord. I have never understood all this. Uh, <laughs> Jesus used to live normally. The person that lived abnormally was John the Baptist. See, if you went for a wedding, Jesus came. He ate and drank whatever they served. I hope you know he dressed normally. When he was living in the morning, he would look at the mirror and spray his perfume. John, if you want people who are so spiritual, you go and meet John the Baptist. Yeah, Jesus knew God more than anybody else. Spirituality is not how much of odd behavior you have. It's true now. Let me just tell you. Spirituality is not how odd you are as a person. Spirituality is how much truth, the truth of the word of God is loaded in your heart. Please, I'm begging you. Spirituality is how much of the truth of the word of God is loaded in your heart. I know I'm saying all of this. Because I said to my wife then, not to her directly now, but I said to her in many other words, but to the Lord, all this one of uh, that we are doing is the way I think. Hopefully, I'm thinking by the Spirit with the word of God. I wrote this thing inside my book. Um, should I say yes? Please read it inside there. Because of what Ed Cole said, I knew that the final proof I will have is that that wedding takes place successfully. Is the reason why I reserve that statement for my wife until the whole thing is over. Because I have told the Lord, it will be a very bad experience, Lord. But if you have to stop the wedding two days to the wedding, please go ahead. I said it to him years before I met my wife. Come here, I don't want trouble. Please, I'm not bragging. My wife is here, and she's looking very nice this morning. It's a beautiful blouse she's wearing, honestly. And it's new, brand new. It's beautiful, yeah. When I saw her praying, see, the, um, um, look at the blouse and the toenails. They match. And the, oh, God, even the bag. You women, how did you see that one? You didn't see it. You know what? Yesterday night, my wife and I were in the room just talking. At the point that I rubbed her cheek, I said, I love you. She said, what is that? 
I said, the kind of problems you are not giving me is what I'm saying. <laughs> yes, because I've seen all kinds of trouble. Some women are just wicked. Yeah. How did God create two Jezebels? I thought one Jezebel was enough for the generations. Some women are wicked. Please, I'm begging you. See, just pity your husband now. That he just feel sorry for him like a poor man on the street. Just treat him like that. Just be nice. Some men have evil spirits. Let's not go to them yet. I'm talking about... Yeah. So I was telling my wife, I said, like, God bless you. Because you hear all kinds of things. Some women will just get up and say, I want to punish my husband. And your husband is asking, what did I do to you? You know, I have a few in my mind right now. There was one. The man. Somebody we know. So here my wife was talking. They met at the wedding. So they sat on the same table. So the guy sat down, wrote, told my wife a lot of things, and said, everything I've told you now, please write them down. Call my wife and ask her. So that, and just tell her I said this. Ha! And if you see this man, very handsome. You know there are some men that are just handsome. This guy, very handsome guy here, looking like, why would a woman treat you like this? The woman just went out of her way to be wicked. Why I believe is that he, he, he told my wife everything and said, see, just call her. This, and then call witnesses. These are people you can call. Whether anything I said is a lie. If one of the children was talking to my wife, she said, don't mind my mother. She lies a lot. He said, he said my mother can lie. Believe you are not married there, you're a man. Please, I feel like I have an anointing to bless you this morning. Stretch forth your right hand, I beg. <laughs> Father, in the name of Jesus, see all these hands stretched out. Let none of them marry a wicked woman in Jesus' name. Lord, find them pleasing to you in the name of Jesus. Give them a good wife. In Jesus' name. Because, brethren, I've seen wicked women. Some of them will be, will be, they will be using sex to punish their husband. When the reality is not working, they, get, they look for more wicked things. How can you just wake up in the morning that you want to punish a man? Please, uh, ladies, uh, what about the men? I'm not talking about them. Tomorrow maybe is their time. Today is your time. Please, just wake up in the morning. Eh? And make up your mind you want to be, you'll be nice to this young man. He's somebody's son, the son of God. Don't let God be angry with you. You know, God takes this thing very personal. One of my friends, I saw God come meet the wife. They were not married that time. You know what the Lord said? So you don't want to marry my son. I remember that statement. The Lord told her, you don't want to marry my son. How can you not want to marry the son of God? She quickly rearranged herself and married the guy. You know why she was doubting? She had never met him. But the Lord came to her one dream one night. said, you don't want to marry my son. Ah, it's your son. Sorry, I did not know. Okay. I hope you are getting my point. So that's, I had heard all kinds of stories. I had seen wicked people. So I begged the Lord. I said, I beg you. I don't want to marry a wicked woman. Please. So I said, if it is a day before the wedding, you want to cancel it, go ahead. My wedding was 8 a.m. in the morning. I got there before they opened the church. <laughs> Me and my best man. We were there. Because my mother-in-law had pulled my ear from two directions. She said, Banky, I'm going to send somebody to the church in the morning. If you are not there, 
We are not leaving the house. I said, Mommy, don't worry. We will be there. Because she was just threatening me, you know, making sure that everything went well. They said, 8 o'clock, by past 7, my best man said, yeah, enter the car, let's be going. He, come, let us go. The car that the official car to carry me had not even come. We just entered this old car. Two of us drove to the church. What are you talking about? Went and got there. We were the first to arrive before they came to open the door of the church. Seriously. Eight o'clock, they started. So after a while, I saw my wife now and her father walking in. I said, okay, it looks like it is walking. Then finally, they said, do you? I said, I do. Do you? She said, I do. So when the two of us does. <laughs> so I said to her, I said, I love you. You are God's gift to me. Because Jeremiah said, then I knew that the Lord spoke to me. Please, what am I saying? There's something about, you know, activating grace. It's a thought process. You trigger it. Just by changing the way you reason, you trigger what grace is. Just by changing the way you're thinking. If you just say, look, there is a city God wants me to be. It's not just anywhere I will go. Just thinking that one. I'm saying it every morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you. There is a place you have ordained. I'm not planning my life by myself. It is where you ordained that I'm going. It is the job you have kept for me that I will do. It is the one you have assigned me to that I will do. Just by saying, it is the one you said that we might, that I will might. Just by thinking it. That's what I'm saying. That thought process activates the flow of grace. Just the thought. Just the thought activates the flow of grace. Now, back to the main thing I was trying to say. So, don't ever forget it. I read the reference to let us know that we must know that there is a place he has ordained. There is an assignment he has given us to do. I began this morning trying to just balance some things so that we will not think that because... Everything will be destroyed. Therefore, we will do nothing. You know, one of the things that I had as a problem as a young Christian, trying to balance things, is it, you know, like, now you have to learn the whole truth of God. Amen? Yeah, Paul said, I did not you know, shy away from declaring to you what? The whole counsel. The reason that if you get half of the counsel, you, are, you end up misbehaving. Let me explain. This world is not my home, I'm just passing through. It's from the scriptures, actually. Not as a direct quote, but it's based on scriptural things. Have your mind the things that are above, not the things that are beneath. Paul said it to us, writing to the Colossians. So we know these things are true. Keep your eyes on the things above, where your life is hid, with Christ in God. Now if you stop there, you know what happens? You do nothing. So you find students who go to school. They don't go for lectures. Why? Jesus is coming soon. I saw them. When the SU movement moved into Nigeria heavily, when there was a revival, that thing actually happened. A lot of people just stopped going to class. There are those that the only reason they didn't get married is simply because they said Jesus is coming soon. Do you know what now happened to them? 30 years after that, Jesus had not come. You now find men who in their 40s, 50s, they have no job, they have no skill, they have no plan. And people refer to them as Christians. So it almost brings shame upon the truth of the gospel. They have no skill. You look at it, okay, 30 years you've been a believer, they have not imparted the world in any way. The only thing they ever did was to stand and shout, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. And God uses that, I thank God for, for it, 
They even did, they got tired. Some of them, after years, they become, they become a nuisance to everybody. Yeah, because a man who has not really acquired no skill, no university certificate, no certification of any type, and no working experience, after 30 years, which job do you want to give him? So next time somebody in society says he's giving his life to Christ, do you get what I'm saying? The picture they have is a useless life being planned. And that useless life being made. Why? They did not get the whole counsel of God. That is one reason why I like one of the messages I preach once in a while, how to wait for God. Is Jesus coming soon? Yes. How do we wait for him? By hanging around doing nothing? No. He said, blessed is the servant whose master finds so doing. There is a so doing. Why you wait for him? So if you're a student, I found out on campus, Jesus, the day he will come, you had better be in class. If he finds in your hostel at 9.30 in the morning, he's going to have a problem with you. Because blessed is the servant whose his Lord finds so doing. If you're a doctor and you're supposed to be a surgeon, you have surgery by 9. If Jesus comes at 11 and you're in church, you're in trouble. Because blessed is the servant whose master finds so doing. There is a so doing that must mark out Christianity. So I found out that faithfulness is a sign of faith. You are not faithful in nothing. You must be faithful to an assignment. You must be faithful to an assignment. So each season of our lives, God gives us something to do. So I found out that the, now I love my brethren, those who carry that truth to another extreme that was not right. I thank God for their faithful, their, their righteous heart, their heart of holiness. But please, they got some things wrong. It's the same reason why, please, I, I drop things once in a while. If a young man tells you I'm in full-time ministry, just make sure it's full-time ministering. Did you get my point? You can't say you're in full-time ministry. The last three weeks, we don't see what ministration you have done. I hope you're getting my point. In the morning, you should go about ministry. You should be outputting materials. You should be doing, do you get my point? There must be ministry. I found that God doesn't like I do people. No, he doesn't. There must be something you are administering, whichever way. And I thank the Lord that became a good balance for me, my teachings. I observed and I saw that when Christian practice, that God is glorified. So instead of abandoning school because Jesus is coming soon, you will say, Jesus must find me in class when he comes. Why? That is the current place he has put me. Instead of abandoning your work, you are a construction person. You gave your life to Christ. You are building a 20-story building. You gave your life to Christ when you are on the sixth floor. You now, <laughs> you now abandon the project. Why? Jesus is coming soon. He may come before we finish build the building. You know what Jesus is saying? You are very correct. But when I come, I want to see that that building is beautiful and you are finishing it. You can't go and sit in front of the construction site. Say, why are you not walking? Jesus is coming soon. This building shall pass away. Why are we going to build what will pass away? I will tell you why you will build what will pass away. Because you have to show him, this is what I did. With the talent, the meanness you gave to me. You will say, here are the four buildings. They said the money could finish only one bungalow. But this is how we invested the money. Now, we have this row of buildings. Your mina, Lord, has made ten more. Then you know what he will do? He will wipe out the whole building, because everything is melting away. They take it to a new kingdom 
and said, be in charge of ten cities. But those who did nothing because he said the master is coming, he throws them into what he calls outer darkness. Where they will be what? Weeping and gnashing of teeth. Please, I hope you're getting my point. Last time I talked about the fact that we must touch something. And that's what I'm trying to emphasize today. That's what I'm emphasizing. That we have a commandment to do business till he comes. That is the assessment he's going to use in what, concerning where he will place us when he comes. So what did he say? We read Psalm 126. He said, restore our captivity. Oh Lord. In fact, my message today was supposed to be titled, The Discomfort of Productivity. <laughs> I like the way John moved. He moved to and fro. When he heard my title. Powerful title. The Lord is good. The reason why I chose the title then, the discomfort of productivity is that, you see, the tendency in human beings, okay, is for us to rest, to relax. And we have this feeling that God, like I said earlier, see, Jesus is not Lord, Savior, except he's Lord. Please tell everybody, you should put it on your status. Jesus is not Savior unless he's Lord. Small digression again, that area. So all these people are going to church. You know, these days now, I've seen there's a prayer. People will call it prayer revival in Nigeria. I don't believe it's a prayer revival. I believe it's a prayer trend. Have you noticed it? I heard that everybody's now doing early morning prayer. Someone here yesterday, midnight prayer. Everybody's now going to... You know, human beings are funny. Once something goes, it's a trend. Everybody's following I saw, I saw uh, the guy who sits on the big chair with uh, Mother Mary and her chaplet on the side. You know, what's his name? You know the guy. Uh-huh. Okay, this guy seems to know. <laughs> the way he's laughing from the bottom of his heart, you know them. I see all the testimonies they claim to have. Yesterday night, I just sat down in my house. I was thinking about it. I said, God, let me be honest with you. I am not impressed. Do you know why? There is nothing like revival. Except there is repentance. There is nothing like that. Nobody has come to tell me. I've, I heard many of the testimonies. Nobody has come to testify of how they stood through difficult times and stood by their spouses, despite all of this, by faith. It's more like, ah, oh, Papa, when we, last time we were praying, you know, they said they were going to deport me. Right now I'm in Germany and they were going to deport me. And then, then they will went into that fire prayer and they will finish the fire and the prayer. And then finally, hey, last minute, the God of overdue, he came through with my papers. Amen. Oh, everything is. Yes, what I have, oh, God has added to me, added to me, added to me. When I checked all the testimonies, I said, I beg, go and read the testimony of Jesus Christ. First, they all went to John the Baptist, who did no mighty work. Then secondly, Jesus had all kinds of testimonies. Do I need to tell you about Zacchaeus? Mm. Ah, yes, now, you see, that was revival. Yes, yes. He came. Jesus said, Zacchaeus, come, we are going to your house to eat. Zacchaeus said, if I have defrauded anybody, I'm refunding. Jesus said, today, the kingdom has come to this house. Do I need to tell you about Matthew? Levi? I hope you're getting my point. Even Peter, James, John, you saw them leave and then follow him. Jesus was not only about healing, healing, healing people. You hear him, your sins are forgiven you. 
Those people who went to John no, before him saw the revivals that's not lauding Jesus in our lives, but just expecting him to be savior. It's fake. It's fake. I, I don't believe it. So when I'm, you see people, everybody help pray, 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 pray for breakthrough, breakthrough, breakthrough. Hey, hey. I saw one yesterday. He said uh, it's next level. I'm not saying you won't go to your next level, though. But let me tell you, you need le- next level of righteousness. You need le- next level of holiness. I hope you're getting my point. That is what we need. Please, those who are doing the prayer things, that's why, please, anytime you want to preach, tell people, today as I'm beginning to minister, all sinners in the house, you are going to stop sinning. Today, lying leaves your mouth. Today, adultery leaves your life. Today, cheating leaves your business. In the name of Jesus, if you just say, hey, hey receive, receive, they will die in receiving and still go to hell. God can give you everything and you go to hell fire. Please, I hope what I'm saying is clear. Mm-hmm. Jesus is not Savior except He's Lord. He must be Lord. If He's not Lord, He is not Savior. If He's not Lord, He is not Savior. That is very important. Now, I was talking about what? Why I want you to know that is that because we have this Savior, Savior attitude and not the Lord, Lord attitude, we generally don't like discomfort. Yes, that's why I went to that. We generally don't like discomfort. What's my powerful title I, I gave just now? The discomfort of what? Productivity. It said, restore our captivity, O Lord, as streams renew the desert. God said, you will so in tears. That is, obeying God will make you cry. It will make you uncomfortable. I am going to send you out to go and reclaim land that people have forsaken. You have to sow inside the, the land. Listen. I've thought about it before. Why do we walk? Okay, do, do, so that we won't spend time all right, trying to decipher it from what many people say. Let me summarize it. What I want to emphasize is that we are not walking so we can get food. That's not Christianity. Food comes from God. So you read through the scriptures, when Christians are admonished to walk, it is not so they can have food. He says so that they can have something to give. And I don't think the way Paul will explain it. He carefully made it clear that no, it is not because they will have food. He now said, let him that does not walk. He said, let him not eat. You know what that means? There is food, but you shouldn't eat it. I don't know whether you are catching what I'm saying. He wasn't saying, let him that, that, that doesn't walk. He, said, no, no, he didn't say, if you don't have work, there will be no food. Though. No. He said, let him that will not walk, let him not eat. The church was supposed to ensure the fellow didn't eat. You know why? Because normally there was food in church. I don't know what I'm getting. Brethren will have brought the food. The person told the story of one young man that came to visit him in the house. And the young man, the person wanted to eat lunch. So they are, maybe they are told him that lunch bread in five minutes. Thirty minutes later, he was still talking with this young man. So the young man now said, so he was asking the young man what he's doing. The man finished his first degree, the second degree, is now doing one postgraduate diploma, they want to start a PhD, and all of that. The person was looking at him. Being a British citizen, he's getting it cheap, some of them, government sponsors, scholarships, and all of that. So he was just talking to the young man, they were looking at each other. After a while, the young man said to him, are you not going to eat? <laughs> the person said, yes, I'm just waiting for you to go. <laughs> Did you catch that? 
So you're not going to eat? He said, yes, I'm, I plan to go and eat, but I'm waiting for you to leave. And the young man said, sir, I was kind of um, hoping to join you. The reporter said to him, no, I'm sorry, you can't join me. The Bible forbids me to give you food. He said, he that does not walk should not eat. He told the young man, look at you. How old are you? He told him. How long have you been in school? He said, when will you start contributing to society? I just jumped from one course to another, to one degree to another, collecting scholarships. He said, you've just been collecting for society. He said, when will you start giving back? He said, until then, I'm sorry you cannot eat in my house. I'm sure the guy was hungry. So he got up and he left. He came back months later, knocked on the door, and told the man, sir, I would like to eat now. Okay, he got the point. He said, come on in. He sat down and they ate together. He said, because now the young man has gone to look for work. And that's one thing God does. Many times God starves us not because he can't supply food. He said, let it be the motivation I'm giving you to go and get something done. I hope you're getting my point. Please, that thing is very important. You bear it in mind. God sometimes puts us in difficult. He says, no, I want you to be restless. Not because I can't give you food, but I want you to know that your life is an assignment. Many of us, the reason why we get out in the morning is that, look, man, I'm broke. God said, good. I need you to go out. In that process of trying to solve your broke, what's it? Brokenness is not. You know this, I told the English language, eh? Very confusing language. In trying to solve it, God will not allow the gift that is in you to come out. I hope you're getting my point. What am I trying to say? God has ordained for us to redeem, as I will get practical with our nation, this land. Please, I need to give my prophetic word again. Please, if you're not Nigerian, don't be angry with me. I want to talk to Nigerian Christians. Thus says the Lord. You know, I've, heard, I've said it many times. He said, if you want this country, Finish it for me. So all of us are prophets together now. Everybody say after me. Thus says the Lord. If you want this country, I will give you. Now say, the Lord has said to me, if I want this land, he will give me. Please, don't let those words leave your heart. But as what Paul called the proving the sincerity of your love. In the same manner, God says, prove the sincerity of your desire. Do you want the country? Listen. God will give you your portion of the land. I want to say amen to that. Say, I receive it. I'm saying it again. God will give you your portion of the land. The only thing is just that, please, show to him you want it. I said, what's the discomfort of productivity? The land you want to go and claim as a law, we have giants. The land you want to go and claim as a law, you will start, you will start by living in tents. I hope you're getting my point. Yeah, it will start with tents. No, that's the progress. That's the progress. Yes, Abraham will come with tents. Isaac will come with tents. Jacob will come with tents, moving from one place to the other. But then their descendants will inhabit that land and build the most beautiful temple on this earth there. David was not living in tents. He was building cities. No, go and check it. He was building cities. Solomon turned that small piece of land to the richest zone in history. He was not living in tents. 
Solomon had technology. There are a lot of technology that, that, that young king employed. People don't, we don't know about it today. His rooms were comfortable. How he designed, look, you can design air conditioning without a compressor. So, don't worry. Just know it was done. Yeah, people build, no, go to, there's one building like that in, um, is it Kenya? Yeah, in Nairobi. Yeah. Uh, the, look, the guy went, used a termite technology to design a building, keeping the building cool. Where I'm going is that Solomon did not live in tents. David did not live in tents. But their ancestors lived in tents. That is the discomfort I'm talking about. When you are stepping into the land that you want to take, brethren, you will be uncomfortable. You will start a business that for the first five years, you are on minimum wage as the owner. I don't know whether you're getting my point. And look, at the end of today, I want you to live here knowing that you are going to take a piece of land. Which piece of land, I don't know, but it's a prayer you will pray. That God, which piece of land am I supposed to take? And listen, when you put your hand, I'm not saying it's going to be easy. My best illustration, one of our sisters called me once from Port Harcourt. So much crisis all over the place then. And she wanted to, she and her husband wanted to invest a huge amount of money in the land. So you're thinking of just carrying the money and relocating somewhere else. See, let me just tell you something about Nigeria. Are you listening? When all of, when all of us will have run away, somebody, you know this land, somebody, somebody will take it. Yes. You know when all the sons of Enugu have gone to UK, US, and um, Canada? See those guys that came to dig? I hope you're getting my point. They will take over all the land. Because you go and check, they have no other plan but this land. No, go and check it. You see, you can be there and be making like, it's who wants the land that God gives it to. If you don't want it, God will give the person who wants it. You can make noise about heads, men, heads, men. When you finish making noise, when everybody has gone away, they will take the land that nobody wants. Like I tell people, say, I don't have a problem with what you are doing with your life, but they know the consequences. Everything has consequences. If you don't take the land, God has to give it to somebody else. So the prayer you are going to pray today, that's the point I'm making. All right? Lord, which portion of the land do you want me to take? It's an important prayer. But the portion of the land you are going to take, when you begin to take it, when you are beginning to take it, it's going to be difficult. But he said, restore our captivity, O Lord, as streams renew the desert. I, I told you I want to talk about Nigeria a bit again. Remember, was each person build what? Your portion of the world. Remember, there's something I said earlier. Just change your mindset. Just know, and I'm talking to you this morning, that you are a redeemer for this land. And God is saying, go and redeem it. Use the gifts and talents I gave you. Number one, I gave it to you. Two, I told you where to use it to redeem. And then three, one day I'm going to ask to check how well you have done. Many people are there criticizing the country day and night. God said, I will soon call you to account. You will find out that you are part of the problem that I have. You know how Satan takes us away from our destiny? Comfort. I talk about the discomfort of productivity. Did I not say so? You know one of the things I've learned in this life? If you are hoping to start a business that will not be making enough money for you to be comfortable, it will never happen. Uh-oh. What did I say? I've, I know enough, all right? I've, I've lived for some time. I've watched things done. I've watched my wife do things. We've done things in the house. I have realized that God has done something for us as believers. 
He has said, there is no resting place for you here. Your rest is in God. You know what I found out? He said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. This is what happens to you as a Christian. Give me an idea of a business. Or when I say business, you're not, you know what for us business is now. The way by which you're impacting people, impacting the environment, impacting society. So give me an idea. Just give me one, anything. Hmm? Hmm? A school? Uh-huh. Okay, agriculture. Very fine. Now, you see where I'm going. Let's take school and um, farming. You start a chicken, a poultry, and then after a while, you start harvesting. Is the word correct? Okay. You start harvesting your eggs and all of that, and you're selling fowl. Let's just make it simple, all right? Maybe you make a profit for all your effort and everything, about 250000 every month, if you average it, and it's doing well. People think that that is okay. You can manage that for a while. But after a while, you suddenly realize that this money may not be enough for all the things. But let's leave your need. Let's leave your need. I don't even talk about your need. Then suddenly you realize that for this 250k profit you are pocketing every month, how many members of staff do you have? Maybe like 10? I'll be getting my point. How many people can eat from the, your products? A few hundreds of families. Then suddenly you realize that there's one particular fellow somewhere in China, somewhere in Europe, that poultry family loan. He has 2,000 members of staff. Yeah? It's God that did you, you know. He has now unsettled you. Suddenly, you need more money for expansion. Then it just shows you land that can be used. Now, where you wanted to rest in your profit, God says, restore our captivity, O Lord, as streams renew the desert. He that does what? Sow in tears. You know what I found out? From your harvest, suddenly seed must come and then you sow into another plot of land. Suddenly you need more money than you have ever needed in your life because you, wanted to exp- you want to expand. That is when you now go and meet Reverend Yinka. Please, can you help me do a business plan so we can go to the Bank of Agriculture to collect loan? How much? It looks like we need it by 100 million. Eh? When you tell somebody, 100 million naira loan, are you sure you can pay back? Because you better take it. Too. The interest rate is low. Don't worry. I will bless you. Now, you say, ah, it's risky. You know what I found out? W.F. Kumuyi taught, I learned one of his men those days. He said, faith takes, now, now I, I need to say the way, he said, faith risks. That it takes a risk. Because they say, if you don't take that risk, now listen to what I want to say carefully. Over the next few years, I will shut down what you have currently. Because he that has, more will be given. The one that doesn't have, the little he thought he had shall be taken away from him. There's a level you are for a long time. God said you have now become one that doesn't have. One day you hear a swine flu, bird flu. All your birds will die. It's God that killed them. He said, how many birds did you have 10 years ago? You said, give me a number. I don't know much about poultry. 7,000. Huh? Said, so this is 10 years after. You have 10,000. Say, will you be proud to be your own God? That's what he's saying. He said, look at somebody else. I blessed the same anointing. He had 7,000 10 years ago. This year, he has a million birds. Do you think I'm more powerful in his life than in your life? So the Lord says, no, you must expand. You know what I found out? Anybody that gets to a point in business, I'm now comfortable. God will shut him down as a Christian. He will shut you down. The moment you reject growth, you are going down. Write what I have said down. The moment you start rejecting growth, you are going down. 
Because what he would do, he start opening doors of opportunity for you. You must step into them periodically. You must. He said, be fruitful and do what? Be fruitful and do what? The commandment of God is that you must multiply. So I have found that there is no place on this earth where a Christian gets and says, now we are settled. Lie, lie, not on this earth. You know, the day you say it, you know what's going to happen? Plan your own funeral. The day you start feeling like, I'm now comfortable, I'm now settled. Brethren, plan your funeral. Look, I'm telling you, plan your own funeral because you are going. One day, one brother, very tragic story. He got a very nice job. Beautiful job. One of these juicy things that we love in this country. So I saw him, all right, shortly after. He was looking rich, you know this kind of thing. He was looking rich. See the clothes he's wearing. So I remember I sat beside him. The sunshades he was wearing. He told me how much it was. And I told him it's a lie. Now I didn't know that people wore sunshades like that. Now, I mean I was a student. I was just about to graduate. Now let's use today's Naira. You tell a student that you bought a simple pair of sunshades for 250,000 Naira. Now it exists. I mean, I, I know I've seen them. But then, I've never seen anything like that. He says 250k. I looked at him. I picked it up like, ah, does it help you see spirit? Because this, no, 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 no. If you are spending this amount of money on sunshade, it must be seen. It must be shitting out demons and all of that. And I remember he picked it and tried to prove to me that no, you know, ah, oh boy, I knew this guy a few days ago. When this school together, he was living large. Then one of my friends now told me something he said to him. He said, oh boy, I'm made. He said, oh boy, I'm made. The following year, he was dead. Next thing I just said, he said, he's dead. Ah! What I remember was that the guy said, oh boy, I'm made. And he died in a very, very annoying accident. He just bought a car. Maybe he wasn't good in driving. He drove roughly one place. It's a very funny thing. Anyway, he died and the car was not damaged significantly. You just know this is, this is a spiritual takeout. It's not witches. The moment he found a flow of income and said, this is my resting place, God said, you're not serious. You know it's in the Bible like that? So rest. You have much goods laid down for years to come. Take your ease. What did God say? You fool. Once he said, oh boy, I'm made. God said, Kai, this boy doesn't get it. What have I even done for him now that he's made? Many people who are made, that's the problem they have. God says, how will you fill the earth and have dominion? See, spiritual things work out naturally. I hope you're getting my point. It's not that God can work miracles in the wilderness, you know, but after a while, he said, guys, go and plant. What I mean, wilderness, anytime we want to make important decisions in, the, in, the, in this thing, is prayer. We pray for unbelievers to make right decisions for us. Because I will do it for 40 years in the wilderness. After a while, I expect that you will be the ones making decisions in the land. Some of people may be angry, you know, please, sorry, I keep on dropping Dangote's name. I'm not a disciple of Dangote, just as Nigeria's richest man. Is that not so? So it's our example of business in the secular world. No, look, he's a very smart man. Okay? He doesn't cross government. He doesn't quarrel with government. But government is also very smart. Don't quarrel with him. The day he was sitting in a hotel 
was in Mali. And they bombed the hotel. Stock market responded. You know when they balanced? Oh, the bankers wanted to die. Say, we are dead. Everybody panicked. The man had to quickly go out on Twitter and tell them, I'm sorry, I left the hotel the day before the bomb blast. I can imagine bankers everywhere dancing. Lue, 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 lue. He's alive. Amen. He's alive. <laughs> that the human being is alive. Oh. That the human being is alive. They were dancing. Why? Because of the impact God is using it to make in the economy. Where am I going? You know, there are laws that some people can't write. Because... CBN and, um, and um, federal government didn't just make monetary policy without talking to people like that. Yes. Where I'm going is that God says if you want to have dominion, there's a way it goes. How does it go? You are fruitful, then what? You multiply, then you will have dominion. No, sorry, there's a le- one level. Yeah, fill the earth. Because if you don't fill everywhere, how will you have dominion? I'm not talking about dominion. You have to understand that Christian mindset is different. It's not oppression. It's for the purposes of what? Righteousness. Do you know a man, a man, listen to this. Charles Towns wrote an article talking about using inspiration to do science. A man told a whole university to withdraw the article because he doesn't believe in God. Why? Charles Towns wrote an article in one magazine called Think. I think it belongs to IMT, one of these big universities. They published it. In which the man talked about the inspiration that came upon him through which he understood that the, micros, the microwave application, uh, amplification through stimulated emission of radiation they called will work, which now became laser later. Okay? He said it was an inspiration. That's all he wrote to. A human being that was giving money to the university demanded that they withdrew the article or that he would stop funding them. Yes. You may have heard of George Soros. He's a billionaire causing trouble all over the world. Promoting because he has the money to do it. I understand this time of wilderness which everything I pray, I pray, man will fall from heaven and stop all the evil plots. But there are times, God said, let me raise somebody up to advance the gospel. I wonder how many people have existed on this earth that have pushed the spread of the Bible as much as David Green and his family. Every version of the Bible is available for you now at the touch of a button because one man became a billionaire. And he believed that his billions is for the gospel. So he goes around pushing the knowledge of truth. When you download the Bibles, he pays. Oh, oh you think he's free? Some of the old ones are free. They are the public domain. But you see... NASB 2020. In case you do not know, we're in 2023. The 2021 is available for free download on U version. Somebody has to fund that. You see, New Living Translation, they are not in public domain yet. And there are scores of them, demands and no problem. You will arrange, I don't know how to do it, but he will arrange and fund it. When Barack Obama was getting high on his evil spirits, this man took him on. He said you have to provide some levels of what they call reproductive care, which is nothing but iniquity. David Green said no. 
it's a family health business we operated by our faith principles. Barack Obama said you will have a fine. In the one year, the fine they were going to give him was enough to bankrupt the company. The man said, we will not agree. Now, where am I going? It took millions of dollars of legal fees to get it done. He wasn't operating by the flesh. Oh. The whole family is fasting and praying. They had prayer warriors praying. Each time they are going to court. They went to the first court. They lost. They said, no problem. The fine was piling up every day. I've won the exact amount. In the year or two, the company was going to collapse from fines. But the man said, let it collapse. I'm not paying. I'm not doing. I'm not following the law. It is ungodly. But I can't just be stubborn. I have to you know, go through the legal means to fix it. So he didn't just say that, no. This thing we will fight. So you know what he did? They condemned the court case. So they went to court of appeals. And this time around, he won in the appeals court. Good. You know the one funny thing I never, I never knew was possible? He appealed the appeal. Now, he won. He won. He said, no, we need to take this into the Supreme Court so that nobody else can. So he said, please, I need the Supreme Court to make a statement on this matter. So the case continued again. And they will be fasting and praying and paying millions of dollars in legal fees. Finally, by narrow margin, they won in the Supreme Court. And it became a law in America, basically. You cannot force faith-based organizations to go against their conscience in whatever law you make. I watched him talk about it. I said, my God. I said, this is what they mean when they say be fruitful, multiply, then feel. You have to feel the earth. Hobby Lobby, that's the name of his company. Worth billions of dollars. That's what he does with his company money. Do you, <laughs> listen, this spiritual power that God has given us, we translate into material power. Amen. Say amen. amen. It will, it will. But God said, no, don't just drop it from the skies. Somebody will have to claim a land. Promised lands are not given free of charge. They are fought for. When I say what my wife is doing sometimes, I said, you know, almost in my mind, I'm like, why did I get you to start this? But I said, no, but promised land must be fought for. There's no rot in the society that will be corrected without somebody's involvement. I'm sure this is the kind of thing that this man heard me preach, that he resigned from the bank and went and joined the police. What did, when he said the during good of the land, I was surprised. You sit down there saying, making noise. God said, better, look, some of you, better, you're, you are going to be politicians. I've told you. Did I say go and become a senator by force? House of Assembly, can't you go and contest? Why can't you be a councillor in your local government? Start from somewhere. Okay, you don't want to run for office. Eh, join the political party. If God lets your party win, you, they will appoint you something. And go there and go and flex righteousness. Do you get my point? Do you know people need reference points? I hope you don't understand that. This life, we need reference points. Too. You need people that, would, that somebody will point to and say, no, this is how this man did it. This man was in political office. No, we can beat our chest. He didn't steal money. Somebody has to be set up as a reference point for other people. That's the point I'm going to make. But you cannot settle down. Listen, I've told you, stop looking for where life is comfortable. You'll become useless like that. Stop looking for where life is comfortable. That is how to become irrelevant. 
Stop looking for where life is comfortable. That is how to become irrelevant. Last time I said something here, there are people listening to me, you, you are in a comfortable place, God said, now I want to unsettle you. A new company is starting. Go and help them start. Yes, they can't, they can't pay you well. But go and help them start. They will give you a share in the company. Work. They will give you 10%. Go and run the place for them. Last time I'm happy I explained extensively. It's not because you are looking for grabby, grabby, you don't have grabby, grabby eyes. One man says something, Kai, I watched this thing on Shark Tank. Let me just share the story then. I just watched my time now. I really have spoken for long. Let me close. I hope you've learned something today. Yes, uh, say the yes so that I'll be happy. Yes, sir. Thank you. <laughs> but what would happen if you just told me no? Ah, even me, I, I shall go. I'll go home and go and pray. I won't be angry with you. The Lord is good. One man shares something. Let me tell you about what I said that the, the discomfort of what? Productivity. Because you need to be discomforted. I watched this episode on Shark Tank, which was very, if everybody screamed. The man said he was a, is a lawyer. The man is a lawyer. If you know Shark Tank, it's a reality TV show, an American show, where rich people like um, Mark Cuban and co. will sit down, and you come and pitch your business. Like, okay, Dragon's Den. Yes, that's an American version of Dragon's Den. So you come before the cameras, you present your proposal for business, offer the people a portion of it for, in return for their investment. Okay? And um, so this guy came to start a closing, a form of closing business. So he asked for investment of maybe like $100,000. Not too much money by the standards of things that go on there. So he now told his story of his life. All of them screamed. Now, I'm going to use... Okay, I'll tell you the name of the company and I'll explain. So he said... He just, he, had a, he, had, he just married, had a baby, and he was a lawyer, just starting out in life. So one man came to him one day and said, please, I need some legal work done. So he did the legal work for the person. I went and gave the guy the papers. The money the guy was supposed to pay him is $1,500 thereabouts. So the man said, listen, this company is just starting, and money is a bit tight. Would you be willing for me not to pay you cash? But let me give you a small share in the business. So this work will be your contribution. I just give you a small percentage of the business. So the guy went home and told his wife, and two of them decided that they needed money. And they don't know where the company is going. So the guy said, no, please give me my money. So that one unhappily gave him $1,500, and he went on with the money. Then I asked him, what is that company? He said, under armor. Those who know business, we know. All the sharks screamed, whoa, they almost fell down. Because at that time, Under Armour was worth billions and billions of dollars. If all this guy had given you was 0.5%, you are here pitching for $100,000 now. We'll have been worth, we did calculation that time, we'll have been worth over $100 million. Even me watching in Nigeria, I was, I was fainting for him. I had to tell everybody, please give me space to faint. I need a place so I can faint. What? You just sold your destiny for a morsel of meat. <laughs> what he did not know was that Under Armour was going to become a very successful company if they had just given a tiny bit just to be their legal advisor. He would have been one of the sharks sitting down there mm-hmm. and dishing out money. Yes. See, I told you, when you want to claim a land, there will be giants there. See, there's one thing about Christianity. Let me just say it and I close with it. When you want to start, just die first. 
What did I say? No, no, that's not what I said. What did I say? Yeah. So that you have no life to preserve. That's what Jesus said. You have to die to yourself. Let me say this country, this country, country. I said, listen. When I, when I was coming to Enugu, what people don't know is that I never even wanted God to give me money, prosperity, just because he gave me a wife that I told him that I need money to feed her. Otherwise, I was willing to come to town if God had given me the anointing of poor to be single. What's my problem? I just wanted to go somewhere and go and teach. And you see as you go on, there's a gift that God has given you. He will ask you one day. I've been warning people. When they go and give you a job, they will not be singing in your corner of the room at night. You'll be writing songs and singing to the wall. It's okay. when you are your, A time comes in which you tell them I'm not working again. They buried your gift for you under a heavy load of money. Some people are giving to pacify their conscience. You know you have abandoned God, but for money. So you now be going around churches donating money, donating money. God is looking. Obedience, he said, is what? Better than sacrifice. Leave this thing you are giving, 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 giving. They give you a gift. You have not used it. You want to Because <laughs> they bought your gift with money now. Listen, this life is a gift God has given you. You have, to, you have to have it reactivated. And one way or the other, you must start using it. I hope you're getting my point. You have to plant your seed and watch it grow and then cause it to multiply by replanting it. What am I trying to say? There are times you are comfortable somewhere and say, God, leave that place. Go somewhere else so that you can flex this gift. So I can use it to bless the generations of the earth. Many times, that is why we are broke. Because God says, <laughs> I remember one man of God that time. He was, he was a reporter, a, a journalist. Running one particular company, one newspaper. And he was doing very well. He was also a preacher. He's a bishop now. So he told God, let me just do this job for about... Uh, Maybe five years. I can't remember the number of years. And I'll go into ministry. Let's assume five years. Seven years later, I was still there chopping life. So he published a wrong picture of the head of the, of the first lady. I hope you get my, you know, you published a picture that the first lady was not looking fine. So the board said, how can you publish this picture of the first lady? Can't this is not a fine picture? Is the editor it's like, I didn't see the picture number one. Then it's not a big deal. I just photo. We'll publish another one tomorrow. They sacked him. Ah. The head of the, that the first lady had to issue a statement. Her office issued a statement that she has nothing to do with the circle. That she, you know, she probably even see this, didn't see the photograph. What is the idea? The original, it was a regional newspaper. She probably doesn't read it. The woman said, I bet it's not because of me. NUJ, Nigerian Nigeria Union of Journalists, they went to court. The man went to court. He was not reinstated. I heard him preach. He was our guest minister one time. He said that he just laughed to himself. And said, the problem is not them. It's me. Two years after I was supposed to have left here, I was still here. So God said, what are you doing here? So God had him fired. I pray for somebody whose gift has been buried. May you be fired. Amen. Okay, okay, let me pray like this. Fire yourself first. And if you don't fire yourself, may you be fired. Tell your neighbor, is he talking about you? May the very 
What's the thing? May the tombstone be removed. Amen. Say amen to that. Oh. Amen. It's very important. Your tombstone has to be removed. This, because one day, God is going to get tired of waiting. This generation needs something that, support, that is inside you. You have to become unsettled. But remember, you are planting the seed. You know, okay, I was saying something at the beginning. You're supposed to die first. Remember what I'm saying? Yeah, you know why you need to die first? So that way, you're not worried about failing. You're just concerned about this thing must be done. You're not worried about failing. You're just concerned about what? This thing must be done. Let me end the message here. I hope I've passed the message across to you this morning. You understood me? That young man that's saying, yes, sir, eh? God will raise him up mightily. Amen. It will be a blessing to this generation. Amen. This country will know that he came. Amen. Yes, this country will know. The word of God will manifest in his life. Amen. Yes. It's going to, you, know, you know Samuel? That's why he said as a little boy. Yes. Until he got to a point in time, anything he said, God confirmed it. You know why? God, he only used to speak for the Lord. Bow your heads and say, Father, thank you for this morning. Just give a lot of thanks. Now, pray that prayer quickly. Lord, which land am I supposed to take? Locate me where I'm supposed to be. It's an important prayer. Say, Lord, which land am I supposed to take? There may be giants in it. doesn't matter. Just let me know which one. I will go in by faith. I will go in with your power. 